Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. Let's see. Can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you this time. Good. Okay. <laughs> I switched my webcam out, and on my end, it looked like everything was working, but I'm like, maybe I have to end this call to call him back to fix it. And I was trying to tell you that, and then I'm like, oh, he can't hear me. So now, like, I just ended right, the call. Right. Yeah. I'm sitting there. I'm <laughs> like, this would be a fun way to do the podcast. You just like, you sit there, and I just think I know what you're asking me. <laughs> so that, we'd that, make it through it. You could hold up like sign cards or something. You know, like flashcards. You know, yeah. And I can just answer the questions that way. <laughs> so, so this should be all fixed now. I got the extra microphone out of the way. Um, yeah, I don't know what it was, and I think after I switched the mic, the, the webcam out, then all of a sudden the other webcam seemed to be working too. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> technology. <laughs> yeah. Technology. That, that's, that's how we'll go with it. That's okay. I did I mean, record all that. So if there's anything that's usable out of it, I will use it. Oh God. <laughs> listen to, yeah, listen to two old men trying to get technology to work. It's the new podcast. <laughs> and sometimes I like starting my podcast off with the technical difficulties. It happens every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. With us going, I, I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but it's been so, it's been so long since I've done one like this way that now yeah. I'm like, you know, it's, it's kind of like relearning how to do it again. Well, trust me, I was trying to be up there so we could do one live at some point, but uh, when we had the Omicron surge, yeah. you know, I canceled all those plans. I was like, nope, nope, isolate, <laughs> isolate. Yeah. We're starting to ease back out. You know, I mean, we're still, you know, wearing masks and stuff, and some people are. Some people are starting not to. I mean, it, it feels like it's thawing out again, mm-hmm. but it but it also felt like it was thawing out again like last fall. Yeah, know? that's true. So every time, every time we're like, oh, maybe now, maybe this time. No, no, not that time. So Well, I laid low for like just a few months. I didn't go out to any shows or anything. Yeah. Of course, now I bought yeah. like, I also bought 3,000 records at the beginning of January. And so like for two months, I had like, you know, records to go through. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I did a lot of that, but I laid low for a while. And then I've been out about a little bit since I went out last night. Um, last night, they still require masks. The band was requiring masks, although still like half the people weren't wearing a mask once they got inside. Right. Right. Um, but the mandates lifted in Charlotte. We played a show recently, I think at Tommy's pub. Yeah. And not really many of the people were wearing a mask, even with the mandate. So, yeah, uh, yeah. But I've, I've, there's been a, a few situations where I've been in where I'm like, man, I should probably be wearing my mask, and I didn't, and I've come yeah. out okay. But I still think that if I didn't get it like right around the time that my dad had it, right after Christmas, like being yeah. exposed to it and my body fought it off or whatever, I just didn't have a lot of symptoms yeah. or, or no symptoms at all. If I didn't get it then, or when I did my pop up at Tommy's, or when I, or at work, or anytime anybody's had it, there's been so many times I I, I feel like I've had to have had that that contact with it, and either had an asymptomatic mm-hmm. case or just a you know extremely mild case. Yeah, that I never really 
you know, felt like. Yeah, see, I wonder about that, too, because we've, um, Amber and I have neither one had it, my wife and I have have neither one had it, Mm -hmm. but I wonder, um, have we had it? Yeah. And just didn't show any symptoms, or, or, you know, every time you get allergies, every time you've got a sinus headache, you know, there's that whole, Mm -hmm. is it COVID? Yeah. COVID, is that you? Oh, trust me, back a a few weeks ago, whenever the tree pollen got really bad down here. Oh, God. Um, it, it, kill, it killed me. And at first, I'm like, oh, this is just allergies. This is just allergies. And then all of a sudden, I lost, like, like I couldn't really taste anything or smell anything. I was like, oh, oh God. crap, it's COVID. But, of course, yeah. that's, that can be a symptom from severe allergies as well. Right, And so right. I took a test that night. I took a test the next morning. I started wearing my mask at work again. I'm like, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I just was real careful and then, you know, ended up being that I didn't have it. But Yeah, well, we, we were, you know, we were back to... Uh, going out to eat and going to shows and, and hanging out. I mean, we'd wear a mask, you know, but, but we'd go places. And um, then the, the Omicron surge hit, and it was supposed to be, you know, super contagious, even if you've had it before, even if you're vaccinated. And so we decided, I think it was late December, whenever it came out, we just laid low. Like mm-hmm. they said it was going to be about six weeks. And so, I, you know, just starting in January, we stopped going out to eat. We started just, you know, getting takeout and bringing it back to the house or doing curbside or whatever. And, and we, we super locked it down, and that was okay, but it's also uh, the coldest time of the year, even down here. Mm-hmm. You know, down here, we're mostly warm, yeah. but January and February, we get a lot of cold fronts, and, and it's been cl- really cloudy, and so uh, that got to be a bit much, because we're secluded, and then it's cloudy all the time, and it's cold, and you're not used to it being cold, and so uh, that got kind of rough. That got yeah. kind of rough, but but then um, then it eased up, and and we've you know we've started going you know going watching shows and stuff again and, and hanging out. So hopefully, hopefully, and I've said this to you before on this podcast, but hopefully things are getting back to normal. <laughs> yeah. Knock on wood, you know. <laughs> but hopefully it's getting back to normal. Hopefully sooner or later I'll be back up in North Carolina. Yeah. Know? So I know, I know at least for me, like the Omicron surge, the fact that it happened during the winter was okay because mm-hmm. I tend to not go out that much in the winter anyway. I hate cold weather, so I tend not to book shows yep. like late December, early January, unless it's something really good, or, or yep. pretty, pretty much January all throughout. Um, I tend yeah. to try to not go out to shows. You know, Even if my friends are playing, it's like, ah, you know, I'll catch you next time. Just because yeah. I hate the cold weather. It's got, it's got to take something really good to get me out. Like last, well, the year before the pandemic, we played with the cavemen, in January, and I didn't plan on playing yeah. any shows in January, but when that show came up, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're playing that one. Yeah. <laughs> so it yeah. takes something like that for me to actually even be like, yeah, let's go play some shows. So I was cool with, like, laying low and not booking shows and really not going out to shows for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, it, it crushed us a little bit because, I mean, wintertime here is um, – wintertime here is, hey, it's going to be nice. We can actually go outside. It's not 1,000 degrees. Yeah, you know, and so we had been doing. Uh, Amber had been selling her art. We've been doing art shows. I've been helping her with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, uh, you know, I was part of an author event at a local bookstore. You know, we were going to some shows. We were, you know, we were meeting some people. We did. Uh, we were doing a lot of work, uh, doing backdrops for a local community theater, mm-hmm. and doing a lot of work with that. And then all of a sudden, Omicron hit, and we had to shut all of that down. And so, so we felt really bad because it's like for two years. You know, we've been sitting around not, not doing much, and then things had gotten safe enough that we had started, you know, being part of the community again. And then Omicron hit, and and the theater shut down, and mm-hmm. all you know, they quit doing the shows, and so so that was that was really kind of rough. And and then plus, like I said, January and February, particularly February, has been just cold front after cold front. Yeah. Normally, normally we get 
and this is going to sound so bad when I'm talking to you guys, you know, because you guys are going to be like, oh, screw you, that's not winter. But <laughs> down here, it'll, it'll be 70 or 70 to 80 most of the time in January and February. But then you'll get a cold front, and it'll be 60s, maybe 50s for a couple days, like two or three days. But then it'll be back up in the 70s or 80s, and you get a cold front about every week, week and a half. Well, this year, particularly February, we were getting a cold front. Things would warm up for like one or two days, then we get another cold front. I mean, we were getting a cold front like every like three or four days, and so it's just been beating us down, and it's been a lot of rain, like a lot more rain than we normally get. And yeah. I'm just like, now, and I can't believe I'm saying this, now I'm wanting it to get really hot again. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I just want the sunshine. I want it to be really hot. You know, in a couple months, I'll be like, oh my God, I'm dying. You yeah. know? <laughs> I don't like when it gets really, really hot, but I love warm weather, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm just, I'm happy that today is going to be light. An extra extra yeah. hour. I'm just I'm I'm so, I'm just so stoked that daylight savings time is finally here. Or oh gone God, or, go yeah. here or going or whatever it is. But you know that it's it's summer <laughs> summer hours again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be light later. It's grilling season. You know yeah. whatever you want to say. You know? <laughs> Although that does tend to kill my business a little bit. But you know people tend yeah. to grill out more when it gets nicer out. It's true. It's true. Not as much pizza weather. You know? Yeah. So, uh, winter's pizza weather. Yeah. It definitely is. It is for us anyway. <laughs> but, um, so you said you, you've had pop-ups and stuff going on. So what's going on with yeah. that? So like I said, I bought 3,000 or close to 3,000 records. I estimate Ooh. around 2,800 probably uh, right at the beginning of January. And I, I'd already done a pop-up last year uh, in November just selling out of my personal collection and, and things that I picked up along the way to sell. Mostly yeah. record. Well, I did records. I had toys, VHS, DVDs, all kinds of media, books, T-shirts, all kinds of stuff. And so I'm, I did another one at Tommy's Pub after I bought all these records. But like for two months, again, another reason why I was okay with the Omicron surge was, you know, I had all these records to clean and price and <laughs> get ready. Although they were they were in good condition to begin with, I just still cleaned them up again. They, they've been in storage for a while. I just gave them a good polish and put my price on them and got them ready. And then did another pop-up at Tommy's, and it was really successful. But I had like oh, that's a, fun. I went from having four crates of records at my first pop-up to having, I think, 15 crates of records at Tommy's. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I got another That's one coming so up. Another one coming up this week um, at Skylark, and I'm thinking about paring it down a little bit <laughs> and tailoring <laughs> it a bit, bit more to the crowd that's going to be there, and just kind of taking out some of the stuff that probably won't sell there yet. Yeah. But yeah. the ultimate goal is like I've already talked to somebody about having a booth at an antique mall, so I want to do that. The ultimate goal is maybe to have a store down the road and like print T-shirts and nice, and, uh, you know, sell my records and stuff on the side. Um, yeah, I've gotten into buying and selling now. Like I went yesterday. Every time I go to Charlotte now, there's almost always some kind of willing and dealing going on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got. I just got the word about a five thousand record collection that I need to go look at this weekend. Now I've already warned her that I'm probably not going to be able to buy all five thousand because I can't get that overwhelmed. But I'll help her find a buyer for the rest of them. Yeah. Um, but I've just gotten into that. I really love doing it. And uh, but one bad thing is it kind of takes away from the podcast a little bit. Like I took right, three right. months off in December. I basically just kind of intended to take, you know, Christmas holidays off and yeah. get back at it. But once I got that collection of records, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take a little bit more time off. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just turned into to a three month break. And, and uh, I don't intend to take that long of a break again, but I think this year there's going to, the podcast is going to come out a little bit more sporadically because of it. Like, yeah. you know, this week I'm going to be editing our podcast and I'm going to be recording another one today that I'll probably have to put off until the next week. But uh, I'll be editing hours and then also still like finalizing, getting getting all this new stuff priced for the next pop-up and figuring out what <laughs> I'm going to take. And, and then the next week I'll be doing a podcast and then I'll be getting ready for the next pop-up in April. So 
It's oh, like, that's uh, awesome. I'm just trying to find that balance to keep all these things in my life. And that's one yeah. reason why I would eventually like to have my own store instead of just a booth or just doing the pop-ups is because then I could have that be my day job. And then I yeah. can go back to the podcast just being that one thing that I do at night. Well, there's two things I do at night, the band and the podcast. Well, and you could even you could even work on stuff if it's a slow day at the record store. You know, you mm-hmm. could you could kind of mess around with some stuff. But that remind when you're talking about doing a, a record store and, and selling T-shirts and stuff, um, it reminds me of a store when I lived in Wichita, Kansas. There was a place uh, people in Wichita are going to murder me. It, it was Spectrum. I don't remember if I think it was Spectrum Records. Not no, maybe it was Spectrum Music. It was either Spectrum Records or Spectrum Music. But that's exactly what it was. It mm-hmm. was. You go there, they've got a million records, they've got T-shirts, they've got a printing press in the back, they make their own T-shirts and stuff, and they had some, you know, some collectibles, but not many. It was yeah. mostly just, you know, mostly just records. They had like an old, uh, an old Fostec, one of the old Fostec four tracks, like yeah. the little cassette recorders, you know. They had some, you know, some odds and ends like that, you mm-hmm. know, but, but when you say that, I'm like, oh yeah, I can totally picture that, you yeah. know, that'd be super cool. Yeah, know? my idea was like, so if I, I wanted to do a record store, especially if I was going to do it in Kings Mountain. Now we've got a casino. Yeah. I, I keep saying the casino's coming. The casino's here. It's just not. <laughs> oh, right, is it here? <laughs> right now it's just a bunch of trailers with, with, with games inside of it and they haven't built the actual casino and the Oh, so the they've actually, you can actually stuff. go there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my god! But it's uh, it's not really it's not a real casino yet. I don't I don't call it a real yeah. casino. It's just like a pre pre launch facility is what they call it. But, uh, um, I have to tell my wife because David put up uh, an article on Facebook know, a couple weeks ago, and it was talking about stuff in the Gaston County area, and it was and it referenced the casino, mm-hmm. and Amber laughed at it because we've been hearing the casino was coming to Gastonia ever since we lived there, and that was way back in like 2012. Yeah, well, it's actually it's, 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 it's right here in Kings Mountain. It's right off 85 in, in Kings Mountain. Oh, that's so, fun. So they uh, might they might finally get it built. <laughs> so they, they're they're working on it. It's just it's very slow to get the actual facility, the, the the real casino built. So anyway, yeah. I think once that happens, like there'll be a lot more opportunity in Kings Mountain for businesses like that to survive. But yeah. I also thought, you know, because I, I could do it in Gastonia or Charlotte, but there's plenty of competition in Gastonia and Charlotte already. I could yeah. do it in Shelby to get a little bit further away, but I live in Kings Mountain, and there's there's something about being able to just be two minutes down the road from where you work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's one of the things I was going to mention is, you know, they'd probably pay you to, to put it in downtown Gastonia, but, but there's already, you know, stuff in Gastonia, yeah, so... Yeah. You know, and plus you'd have to drive all the way to Gastonia, which but, I guess from Kings Mountain isn't too bad. It's, but, not, you know. it's not at all. But but still, you know, like I just figured doing the T-shirts because I, I just like to do short runs. Like, I don't want to be like contagious graphics or anything, but yeah. just, just for local bands and, you know, just small runs for people that need like, you know, 12, 24 T-shirts made, things like that. Yeah. And just use that basically to keep the business afloat. And then while I'm working on T-shirts, people can come in and shop for records or toys or whatever they want. Yeah. And, yeah. and I can stop and talk to them and, you know then go about my business when it's slow. <laughs> that's that's super cool though. I mean I'm I'm of course my advice on that's gonna be go for it. Yeah. That, because I've been I, I've been doing my own thing for oh God, it'll be fourteen years this summer. Mm-hmm. You know, since I since I stopped having a job and just started doing my own thing. Um, at some point I kinda had a similar idea to what you had, but I never pursued it. Yeah. Because it's the whole, but but mine wasn't records at the time. It was it was video games. Yeah, like video games and collectibles, and you know, like Shogun Warriors, Godzilla, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, stuff like that. Pop culture stuff. 
um, and, and video games because I had a ton. At one time, I had a ton of old video games, yeah. and and I've since gotten rid of them. That's what happens when you move mm -hmm. uh, four million <laughs> times, you know. Um, but you know, life, you know, been all over the country, but I lost my video games in the process. Yeah. But you know, I'm I'm a big proponent. I mean, do if you can find a way to do something that makes you happy and make money and support yourself doing it, go for it. Yeah. Like absolutely go for it. But but there is the problem, like you said, I'm very familiar when, when you said that, you know, the, the podcast has suffered and you've had to kind of put some stuff off because you've been working on records. Mm -hmm. I'm like that. I'm totally like that because when I was first doing my own thing, you know, I started S and D designs, doing websites and online marketing. I mean, okay, it started out as websites and that was supposed to be it. But then, you know, you start learning to do whatever a customer needs you to do. So it ends up being graphic design, mm -hmm. videography, online marketing, whatever, you know, whatever somebody needs. Um, but when I was doing that, when I first started doing that, I was also doing Still Not Dead, which is where, you know, stillnotdead.com, which is where the S&D and S&D designs came from. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when I originally, the, the original S&D designs logo, the S&D is the same uh, font and everything is still not dead. Yeah, you know. And then I just kind of got away from it over the years, but but I was doing both of those, and so I was you know updating. You know, we had weekly stories on the website. You know, people would send me pictures, people send me reviews, people send me show reports. You know, we were doing that weekly and throwing shows at Milestone and Tremont, and I'm trying to think if we did shows anywhere else. I don't think so, but but we were doing all that. And I had S&D designs, and I'm trying to go to school to learn, you know, to polish my web mm. design and my graphic design and stuff. And I slowly learned, and I, and I do this to myself over and over, but, but you know, so I don't really learn. But yeah. I, I say I learned, you I, know, but I know. but I get too many irons in the fire, yeah. you know. <laughs> and and it becomes, honestly, that's why, you know, we let go of, uh, I let go of Still Not Dead and let it, you know, let it kind of fizzle out because I just couldn't keep it all up. Yeah. And I had to go with what was paying the bills, and the and the the web design and stuff was you know paying the bills. Still not dead. I was doing because I loved it. Yeah. You know, because I wanted to help support bands. I wanted to play shows. You know, but it wasn't like we were making money off of it or anything. You know, so it was very much not supporting itself. You know, when when we did punk rock picnic and bought like you know went to Sam's Club and bought like a ton of ground beef and mm -hmm. and <laughs> buns and hot dogs. That was all our money. You know. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't anybody. Else. That was all. When I say our, it was mine. You know, it was my money, you know, that was buying all that meat. You know, we just did it out of love. But, but you you know, over the years, I find myself, I do that over and over. And I try not to nowadays. Nowadays, I don't purposely downplay, you know, because in Wichita, I was doing, um, you know, I was still doing my, my web design. I was doing S&D designs when I moved to Wichita. Mm -hmm. And I started doing uh, monthly shows at the Artichoke. And that turned into more gigs. But, but I was playing gigs. You know, I was playing music. Doing S and D designs, then I started teaching uh, web design part time at the college, yeah. you know, or at, well, not at the college at City Arts. It's not a college; it's an art center. But um, and then I started doing, uh, I would I would do marketing part time for this automotive group in town. And once again, I got too bogged down, so I started having to let go of stuff, you know, and kind of back away from things. And even nowadays, I mean, doing doing the author thing, doing the book thing that I've now found myself doing. I'm I'm glad I'm not playing music right now because I just don't have time. Yeah. I mean I barely have time to do S and D designs and the author stuff. It's I, I'm on a um I think I'm on my weekend. I've actually done some work even though I didn't mean to. Mm -hmm. But when I 
took a break, quote unquote. I had been working for 12 days in a row. Uh, my last day off was just one day. Mm-hmm. And then before that, I think I'd worked for like a month and a half straight without mm-hmm. stopping. And it's just because you do stuff when you have time. I mean, mm-hmm. you do your work. I don't, I don't do work outside of, I don't do the S&D design stuff outside of Monday through Friday, but, but the author stuff gets shoved in wherever I can get time oh, yeah. to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I found myself running up against a deadline because I let Omicron get to me. I let the cold weather get to me. You know, I, I had a bit of, uh, you know, I, I don't want to call it seasonal affective disorder because I don't think, I don't think it was that bad, but I've, you know, I've had a bit of, bit of a cloud hanging over me and, mm. and I knew I had stuff coming up and then all of a sudden I got out from under it and was like, oh crap, I've got like two weeks until the book's supposed to come <laughs> out, you know, or three weeks till the book's supposed to come out. And so, you know, then I'm scrambling and doing all this stuff, you know, so... I, you know, I'll get better at it as I go, maybe. But you know, I, I keep thinking that myself. <laughs> but I keep I keep adding stuff to it. It's like oh, I want to do this and I want to do right, this. Like right. like the thing was is at one point I'm like, man, I'd like to start making our own T-shirts. And I'm like, but I don't have time to mm-hmm. make T-shirts. And then I thought mm-hmm. if I can make that my job, then I can have time to make T-shirts. And then I have time to do the records. Oh, I can do that at the same time. And then I can have time to do the podcast, which is something I love to do, but something that's hard to do whenever I've got all this other stuff that's eating at my time, but actually makes yeah. me a little bit of money. And like you said, you yeah. kind of go towards that. But like, you know, I overloaded my plate when I started the podcast up by going, oh, I'm going to do a podcast and a zine. And, you know, yep. I got that one yep. issue out. And I was like, I promise I'll get more out. Yeah. And two years later, I still don't have another zine out. So Right. That's a lot of work, man. It's, it's, it's a, lot a lot of work. work. It really is, especially when you're doing it by yourself. And especially yeah. when it doesn't, when it costs you money. And, and the, yeah. the good thing is the podcast really doesn't cost me that much money. It costs me a little bit of money to do all the hosting and everything. I have some Patreon supporters that I really thank them a lot, even though they don't get a whole lot of content from me, and I apologize for that. Yeah, but, yeah. But as as a Patreon supporter of other people myself, I hardly even pay attention to the content that comes out on pay, Patreon, honestly. I just want yeah. to give them money because I want to support the main thing that they're doing, and I want to support them doing their thing. I, I tried to do Patreon and, and just failed because I'm just... I'm an author. I'm, I do a lot of stuff, but but I'm just not. And I, I, maybe I just need to get better at it. But I'm just not a um, what's the popular term? A content content, content creator. creator. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing quote marks with my hands. Nobody can see that on the podcast. <laughs> oh, but I don't quote. And I guess this would be a good time. Creator. This would probably be a good time for to go ahead and do my introduction. This would probably be the the, the longest oh, free yeah, introduction maybe. I've ever done. But I, I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> to, to, to Ryan McGinnis and anybody that's listened to the podcast for a while has could recognize the voice um, of course you probably saw it on the description for the podcast itself but still don't want to let it pass by that who i'm talking to today <laughs> it's me i'm back and, again and, and we're just having a conversation today i, I he's got a book coming out soon a, a follow-up to his first book and we're talking we'll talk about that in a minute yep. but i sent him a message a couple of weeks ago hey man you want to do another podcast he said i don't really know that i have a whole lot to talk about i said let's just have a conversation and we'll turn it into a podcast. <laughs> so that's what we're doing today. <laughs> I, I always have a lot to talk about. It's just whether people want to hear it or not. Well, you know? <laughs> I, I understand that. I can that. make stuff happen. You know? <laughs> I understand that too, because a lot of times I'll be posting a comment on Facebook or something, or I'll go to put something in, in the podcast. and People don't want to hear that, or I'll, I'll, in my comment on Facebook, I'll just delete it all. I'm like, there's no point. Oh, nobody, yeah. nobody cares what I have to say about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's that's uh, 90% of, of writing a book is... You put, you spill all your ideas out onto paper, and then you start taking stuff out mm-hmm. until, and, and you keep whittling it out, and you're like, eh, I don't really need to say that. That's that's a duplicate. I'm saying the same thing twice. Do people really need to know this? And when you get it whittled all the way down to its essence, that's what you put out. Yep. 
You know, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I can't imagine, people, people put out, um, you know, most of my books, so far the two books have ended up being almost the exact same length, even though I didn't plan it. Yeah. I thought the new book was going to be longer, but it always, I mean, Amber would tell you if she was here, I'll be like, okay, I've done the outline, I think the novel's going to be about, you know, 60 chapters, or, or it'll be 55 chapters. And then when I get done, it's like how many how many chapters end up being? Oh, 48. Yeah. You know, you know, we trim. You know, I start going. Ah, I really don't. This this chapter's just filler. I don't need this in here. Mm. You know, I mean, at the time when you're writing out the outlines, you think, oh yeah, that's gonna be really important. And then you're like, yeah, not really. No, nobody needs to know that. <laughs> and as a reader, I appreciate that because actually, as a as a consumer of media, I appreciate that because there's too many times yeah. like. I really tried to watch The Mandalorian, but I got about four episodes yeah. in and realized that every other episode was filler, and I'm like, man, screw this. <laughs> <laughs> so it, apparently it got really good, and apparently season two was even better, but I wouldn't know because I just didn't, couldn't get past those first four episodes. <laughs> you know, I, I, liked, I liked The Mandalorian. I think season two has um, probably more missable episodes, in my opinion. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying about the first, because the first season, they would just, it was just... A lot of dragging. It was yeah, a lot of yeah. spaghetti western type stuff. Where yeah. It's a lot of just, you know, you see the boots crunching and you see, you know, it's a, it was very stylish but not very, you know. But but it is, I mean, it was really good. The last episode of season one is really good. And um, season two, season two was good. The end of season two is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the first few episodes, I, I was kind of scratching my head a little bit. I mean, I still liked it, but I was kind of like, was that episode really necessary? <laughs> you know, Then... Don't even get me started on Boba Fett. I don't want to make some people mad. <laughs> I, I haven't watched that one either. I, I figure eventually oh. I'm going to watch all of these. Like one day, I'm going to get sick at some point and be like, "Huh, oh, what am I going to do?" And I'm going to just binge watch the whole thing. Yeah, Boba Fett's just confusing to me. And and I mean, I watched it, and there are there are some really good episodes, but it is not a good series. And I know people will fight me over that. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I've heard that. anybody anybody who doesn't agree, anybody who doesn't agree with me. You're, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. My brother actually doesn't agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I know a lot of people loved it, but I, I, I saw just as many people that I know that I respect their opinions of that said yeah. it just really wasn't that good. And, and so I'm like, hmm, not in a hurry to watch well, I mean, that one in. I mean, the thing, well, the, the, the last few episodes are really good. Like the climax is is peak Star Wars. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it is absolutely peak Star Wars. But to get there, it's a really rocky, weird ride. And, mm. you know, I mean, imagine, imagine, okay, imagine you, you went to watch Falcon and Winter Soldier, their series. Yeah. And you, and you get, and it's an eight episode show and you get to episode five and all of a sudden they're showing like uh, Black Widow. Yeah. And they spend like two episodes doing Black Widow stuff. And then they, for the finale, they come back and, you know, okay, come yeah, back to yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier. And it's like, why did they do that? I, I don't <laughs> understand. You know, I mean, it's just it's just confusing and uneven. There's good parts in it. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I mean, and I know, you know, some people are like, oh, it doesn't give me the Boba Fett that, you know, that, that I remember from a kid. Well, it, it's supposed to show Boba. I mean, he's older. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been through a traumatic event. I mean, he got swallowed by the Sarlacc. Well, I don't know? remember Boba <laughs> Fett being that much of a badass when I was a kid either. He just didn't really do a whole lot. I mean, well, I've, that's, I've, I've, that's I've the thing. felt he was a very overrated character. And so there, yeah. there's also the, my disdain for that, that I also kind of, that, that bias oh, probably, boy. probably played against Mandalorian as well. So. Boy, <laughs> the Star Wars people are going to kill us. You know, no, uh, well, I, yeah. I, I, see, I, I'm, I am a you. You know that I'm a Star Wars fan. You know this, right? 
But I think I've just decided here in the past few years that I'm a, I'm a fan of those first three movies. And then after that, it's the rest of it's like, mm, I can take it or leave it. Because I, I just, I love those oh, first yeah. three, but the rest just, oh, yeah. the rest of the content they put out there just hasn't done a whole lot for me. Never really got into the books or the extended universe or anything like that either. But those first three movies are just, they're, they're dear to me. The only book I ever read was uh, Shadows of the Empire, mm-hmm. which is the one that they made the video game out of. And, yeah. and I really liked that. I'm, I'm pretty much the same as you. Yeah. I, I mean, I the the first three were my childhood, and even now that I go back and watch them, the, the first three are my favorites. And and I don't like Return of the Jedi as much because I feel like it was the big super happy ending. Let's wrap everything up. But, yeah. And and but but I still the first three are it. The prequels I do not like. Um, I wish the prequels had never come along. Yeah, yeah. And and some of the new Star Wars shows keep referencing the prequels, and I'm like, can we please stop that? Yeah. <laughs> just stop referencing the prequels. And then the ones they did afterwards, when they started with Force Awakens, that could have been all right. I enjoyed but it was, that one. It was too much. It was too much movie studio stuff where they did Force Awakens, and and they the Force Awakens was a course correction from the prequels. Mm-hmm. They had to go, this is Star Wars. This is what Star Wars is. And and so we do The Force Awakens. And then everybody, you know, there's a ton of people that criticized them because, oh, it was too much nostalgia. And so they did The Last Jedi, which was, okay, well, we're going to kill all the nostalgia. And then everybody's like, no. Yeah. And so they, they're forced to, like, course correct again. When really, if they had just stuck with their original vision and just do it, you're always going to have haters. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't write my books based on what people tell me about my books. I write my books because I'm doing the story you know, that I want to tell, and yeah. they should have just stuck with whatever vision they had instead of, like, changing it every... You know, Marvel does Marvel. Marvel doesn't change stuff because, you know, somebody's like, oh, I hated that. You know, it's, it's like they do Captain Marvel, and somebody's like, oh, I hate that actress that plays Captain Marvel. Well, they don't get rid of her in the next movie. They're like, no, here's, here's yeah, Captain no. Marvel too. <laughs> yeah, here's Captain Marvel again. We don't care, you know? <laughs> I mean, the movie made plenty of money. I mean, I don't think they were, you know, hurting. I don't think they needed to course correct. It's not like Force Awakened bombed. Yeah, exactly. You know, but... But yeah, I'm like you. I'm like, give me the first three, give me the first three, and let's just do that. And I'm the same with Indiana Jones. First, first three, anything past that, please stop. Yeah. Like they're talking about, they're almost done with Indiana Jones five, and I'm like, please don't. I'll see it. But they're going to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see it. I, I actually, I kind of, I kind of enjoy the Crystal Skull up until the ending of it. It's like it's got yeah, some, well, it's got yeah. some ridiculous stuff, stuff in it. Didn't really care yeah. for Shia Beef too much or whatever, however you say his name, and. Uh, <laughs> It, it, but you know, it was it was enjoyable enough at the time. It was nostalgic enough for me that I was like, okay, yeah, yeah Indiana Jones. I'm cool it it was, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I agree with your assessment. I think it was fine until you get to the end, and I'm just like, okay, this is stupid. But, Even though I'm, I'm sorry if you put a human being in a in a fridge. I love that if part. I love that part. I'm probably the only person that loves that part. I just love that when it came out. I was like, that's awesome. I mean, it's and then funny. Everybody shit on it. I'm like, y'all suck. Well, I mean, it is funny. And I know why they did it because him getting out of the fridge is just hilarious. But at the same time, I mean, he'd probably be dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, to me, Indiana Jones is basically a comic book come to life. Yeah. So it's, it, yeah. it's very comic book to me. And then a lot of, again, I haven't watched that movie since probably the year it came out. So, I probably yeah. would not like it as much if I watched it now. I saw I saw some scenes from it on YouTube or somewhere one day, and the special effects looked a lot worse than I remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, man, that that was really just a little while back. I mean, those special effects look 
really crappy. <laughs> I don't know. People are like, why are they talking about Indiana Jones? I don't yeah, know. I was going to say, I don't know if we'll leave all this in there or not, but this isn't really, we're not really talking movies. But we, like I said, we, we were having a conversation, and I'll figure out a way to turn it into a Yeah, a, you can just, yeah, you can tie stuff in as you want to. I mean, it's fine. You know, it's fine. But you, you were talking about making T-shirts. Um, I always wanted to make T-shirts. I had back in high school. I did it one time where we had the little, the little simple, um, not not a printing press. What's the word? I'm like, screen printing. Yeah, yeah. And I screen printed a, a shirt, and I thought it was super cool. And so, when we were in my so-called band, um, I used to go to Office Max and get those those iron-ons mm-hmm. that you could run through your printer. Yeah. And I would make uh, custom shirts. Like there was a lot of the shows that we played at. Uh, you know, some, probably some shows we played with you guys at Tremont. Yeah. The shirt that I was wearing that night was one of a kind. Yeah. I made it specifically for that show. I'd have like, um, I did a Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter shirt, and you know, and I I just do stuff like I'd find movie posters, like Godzilla mm-hmm. movie posters or something, and I just you know I'd do a printout of it and then iron it on the T-shirt that day and then wear it to the show that night, and you know, yeah. and it I, just became a thing. I um, remember making my, I made a Devo shirt same way one time just because I wanted nice. a Devo shirt for a show and I, I couldn't find one. So I'm like, I can print my own <laughs> and made it on one of those iron-ons. Absolutely. I, I used to, it got to where, um, and I know they probably don't remember this, uh, Russ used to bring Cody and Kelsey to our shows, mm-hmm. to the Master Call Band shows. And so Russ would come to my house first, and I got to where I would make, I made them like custom shirts. Yeah. I made Cody like a, uh, I think I made him rock and roll high school, and I can't remember the other one. I can't remember the other shirt I made, but but I know I made the Rock and Roll High School shirt, and so the kids would have special shirts to wear to the show. Yeah. And, and then um, then I even when Chris Loeb's was leaving the band, I took some. I had some, you know, because we took a lot of pictures and stuff back in the day, and so we had some goofy pictures. And so I made custom uh, Chris Loeb shirts for myself and Chris that yeah. had like goofy pictures of the three of us and, and had the My So Called Band logo. And we wore those at the show and we gave him his own shirt and then we gave him our shirts after the show, you know, <laughs> as, as like, you know, because it had, you know, it had memories on it. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, yes, R2, I hear him. <laughs> I but, just realized um, I forgot to turn my phone down. <laughs> but, you know, so so I've always, I've always had this fantasy of making shirts, but I don't, I mean, you know, it's just one of the things I like doing. I yeah. think it's fun, but I've never you know, put the time and energy into actually doing it. Yeah. I've got a lot of like, I, I'd like to do some just strange weird stuff, but I'm like, if I'm going to be doing it to make money, then I'm probably not going to have time to make the weird stuff that I want to make. <laughs> right. And, and there's, and therein lies the problem. If yep. you want to make money, you got to appeal to a wider <laughs> audience of people. Whereas if we do what we want to do, you know, yeah. we only appeal to a very small amount of people. So, you know, Trust me, I, I, could, I could probably get a lot more listeners if I was interviewing people like Mike Watt and Thurston Moore than if I was interviewing people from around here. So me, but again, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, this is what I love and this is what I want to do. And, and those people get, they, they get press everywhere else. So they don't need me. Oh man, dude, I, I was talking to, so I was in a business call the other day and was talking to one of the two heads of an industrial real estate uh, development company out mm-hmm. of Columbia. And we were, you know, we were talking, it was all business, it was all business, and then I said something about, um, I can't remember how the subject came up, but I mentioned playing music, and then I used to play music in Charlotte, Yeah. and he was like, oh, hang on, I gotta go through airport security, so I'm gonna set my phone down, 
but stay right there and I'll be right back. And so, so me and the, the other lady on the call who was, who was like their financial officer, we, we sat there on the phone and we waited until the guy got through security and he picked the phone back up and he gets, he's like, okay, so you used to play music in Charlotte. And I'm mm. like, yeah. And he's like, what's the name of your band? I'm like, ah, oh, you probably haven't heard of it. You know, I mean, you know, yeah. cause it was so long ago. And this guy's like, well, all I got to tell you, man, we'll see if you know Charlotte music. So I'm going to say two words and you tell me, if you're Charlotte Music, he's like, the Milestone Club. And I was like, <laughs> yep. I was like, I actually used to run the Milestone. Then we talked for an entire extra 45 minutes because this guy is just like, oh, man, the Milestone when we were young. You know, yeah. so you can't ever tell. I mean, everybody's got connections to that place, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, he went on and on talking about Southern culture on the skids and all this stuff, you know. And I don't. I honestly don't remember them ever playing the Milestone Club. I think they played Tremont, but hey. They, they played Milestone before yeah. when Penny went around. Long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, yeah, he was so into it. He was so – and it's so funny because it helped kind of uh, lubricate the gears, so to speak, mm-hmm. in our conversation. You know, oh, yeah. once he figured out I was Charlotte Music, he's like, oh, yeah. And then the, the, the poor other girl on the call was just along for the ride at <laughs> yeah. that point because we were just – we weren't even talking business anymore. We talked, like, bands for, like, 45 minutes you yeah. know? <laughs> as he's waiting on his flight in the airport, you know. So, so you can't ever tell. I mean, I, I was thinking about that the other day. I mean, you know, I – my time in the milestone was relatively brief. Yeah, you know, from counting running sound, whole nine. You know, from running sound to getting to book it to finally just running it. Was, I mean, it was probably three years. Yeah, it was a fun three years. But, but so much, yeah, so much that I've done has connected or come off of that. Mm-hmm. You know, because I met a girlfriend there. I met countless friends there. Um, I met Chris Piegler there, which turned into the whole my so-called band thing, yeah. and my roommate yeah. that I moved to Charlotte with. You know, met my wife there. You know, met all these bands. All all the connections I made came back when I did Still Not Dead. Part of it worked because all these guys knew me from the milestone. You know, so it was like so much stuff. And then all the stuff I did was Still Not Dead turned into my web design stuff that I did, which which all of that has helped me kind of get this author thing off the ground. So it's like it's so weird because everything kind of starts at the milestone. Yeah. Yeah. Even though my time there was relatively brief, it's like everything since then has just kind of spiraled off, you know, and branched off from that. And so it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool how you, it's kind of a six degrees of separation, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. and and it's all of us passing through the milestone. And so I said that just to say, you know, yeah, you could make more money, but there's people that want to hear this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people that want to hear the Charlotte music stuff, yeah. you know. I mean, I think those times were special. And, and I think the kids nowadays will, you know, have special times, too. It'll just be different venues. Yeah. But but those well, of us who them, came up, they're having that they're having that time at the milestone too though. The milestone's still going strong and yeah, oh and, yeah, and, and and there's a bunch of kids coming through there too. They're they're selling out shows on Sunday nights out there. Oh, I don't I don't think the milestone. I mean the milestone. Hopefully, knock on wood again. But I hope the milestone never dies. Yeah, I hope. Like I hope it's so one too. of those places. It's it's not. It's not in a hip area. They're not trying to tear everything down and build condos out there. Yeah. Or at least they weren't. <laughs> yeah, they weren't. I mean, you know. But, I mean, you know, Tremont, I think Tremont would probably still be there if there wasn't all the zoning and mm-hmm. South End. And they just pushed all those condos in there. And they were like, ah, oh, we got to make room for it. And so we're not renewing your lease or whatever, you yeah. know. And, yeah. And, you know, and that happens to a lot of music venues. You know, I mean, it, it happens. I mean, it happens in Charlotte over and over. I mean, you start no Daw. No Daw was art galleries and drum circles and weirdos and hippies and Fat City and, mm. you know, bands up there just making noise. And when they started doing all the art stuff, the money people see, oh, my God, look at these streets full of people. Look at all these people partying and look how cheap this real estate is. And boom, they turn it into something. Yep. And, and No Daw is cool, but it's cool to a different 
type of people now, you know? Yeah, they yeah. they kind of did Noda like that, and all the hippies and weirdos and musicians and artists all kind of went to Plaza Midwood. Yeah. And now Plaza Midwood is, is from become, what I've heard, you know. It's becoming like <laughs> it has that. Become, yeah, it's become a whole lot like that time on steroids now. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. all, you know, last time I was in town, I went to Plaza Midwood and had the hardest time even finding a parking spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why I And all, all I wanted to do is go to Dish. Yeah. You know, all I wanted to do is go to the old restaurant. You know, my old apartments in Plaza Midwood aren't even there. Mm-hmm. They, they're all torn down. You know, my, my neighborhood used to be... Um, a sketchy, questionable neighborhood. Now I think apartments are going for like three thousand dollars a month in there, which oh, is yeah. like mind blowing. That's <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely crazy but to I, me. I, I love Snug Harbor, but the fact that they're down there makes me kind of that's sort of last on my list of places to go, just because I don't know if I'm gonna mm-hmm. find parking when I go out there, and if I do find right. parking, I don't know if I'm gonna end up having a boot on my car by the end of the night. <laughs> you know, right, <laughs> right. Well, there wasn't there something. There used to be something where. Because uh, everybody liked to park at Walgreens because it was right across the street from Snug yeah. Harbor, and then Walgreens got to where they wouldn't let anybody park there, and it's like what the or heck, CBS, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What or CVS? I'm sorry, I said Walgreens. And then you used to be able to park that. in the parking lot behind there, like over near Elizabeth Billiards and everything. But I think you can't right. park over there anymore. I, that's I, just crazy. I, yeah, that's, just, that's, somebody, that somebody most, needs to just build a parking deck over there and be done. Oh my with god, it. that's the most irritating thing about about Charlotte to me right now. It, it, you know, it, it, when I lived there. That's how East Boulevard was. Mm-hmm. But nowhere else was really like that. I mean, Plaza Midwood, you could park wherever for the most part. You know, no dog, you could park wherever. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but, but East Boulevard, I guess they were so crowded for space there. You know, it, it would be like if I wanted to go to, I can't remember the restaurant now, but if I wanted to go to a certain restaurant for lunch to meet somebody, I ended up parking like three blocks away and walking. Yeah. Because there was just, you know, they had one tiny parking lot and it was full and everything else said no parking. And so mm-hmm. you have to go back in the residential neighborhood and just park in front of somebody's house and, yeah. and walk back <laughs> out, you know. So, you know, that's just crazy. That's crazy. But that's, I mean, that's how it always happens. And hopefully, hopefully Milestone is far enough out in the out on the west side that it won't reach it. But, you know. I, th- I, think, it, it's, I, I mean, think it's coming. But I, hopefully they, they've got the right owners now that will yeah. let, it, let it survive. Uh, well, that's the and, other, and, yeah, that's the other thing. If they keep doing shows like what, it, like I went to go see Baroness last night, sold out mm-hmm. in an hour. It was packed. It was a great show. Just seeing a big band in a small place like that was was it's just amazing. Oh, absolutely. I, I've had a few yeah. experiences like that at the Milestone. And I, I hope to have a lot more experiences like that. But I think other than that, even like their local shows, I, I haven't been going to a lot of them because again, I've been laying low. Yeah. And they do a lot of metal stuff out there, and I just don't see a lot of metal bands these days. I, yeah. Just not because I don't like them, but it's just I'm more following the punk rock thing. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just it's just my bread and butter. So, um, but I, I'm gonna try to get out there a little bit more often. You know, this summer and the spring and summer. Yeah, um, but I just yeah, you know, I, think, I, I think they're I'm, doing really well right now, and I hope that I hope it continues. I just I just think it's amazing how many times the milestone can can just morph and evolve and just continue to remain relevant and give mm-hmm. people places to play. I mean, when you know when I started, I mean, we've talked about all this before on other podcasts, but when when I started with them. You know, it, it was it was a bit of a lean period. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think Milestone was having like maybe two shows a month. And as I've you know as I've told you before, I started running down there, and it was cool. And then I decided, well, we need to have more than two shows a month because if we had more than two shows a month, I could make more money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I was actually getting paid to run down. And so unlike some of the bands that actually played there, and so I you know I went to Bill and asked him to to start letting me do the booking, and so he gave me some numbers for some people and. 
and it seems weird nowadays, but a lot of the the big bands, a lot of the name band mm-hmm. or name brand bands in Charlotte wouldn't play there, wouldn't touch it, yeah, you know, because yeah. Penny didn't run it anymore, and and so they, you know, since Penny left, they wouldn't come back out there, and so we just started finding people, mm-hmm. you know, let's just let's find all the freaks and weirdos and just. Let's just do something. Get and we everybody went, from Gaston County and right, come out here and right. let's build a scene. <laughs> yeah, Gaston County. Well, Chris Chris Piegler would go to house shows, mm-hmm. you know, out in Kings Mountain or Gastonia or wherever, and he'd come back and he'd be like, "Man, you gotta you gotta listen to these guys." You know, he'd give me demo tapes back when it was still a thing, you know, or mm-hmm. he would, or he'd just get those guys to stop by and they'd be like, "Hey, Chris sent us," you know, and I'm like, "Cool," and well, we'll put you on a show, yep. you know, <laughs> and we and we got to where I mean, it worked because we had a whole scene that that Tremont and everybody didn't, they didn't know anything about, Yeah, you know, because we were pulling bands from, from Gaston County and, you know, Belmont, Kings Mountain and Shelby and Lincoln and all these weird places. And, you know, and, and we had the, and our house band, the slugs, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, who, who lived like, a, you know, Mike lived, the singer lived like a half a block away, Yeah, you know, and on the West side, on the back street. And, you know, and, and that it was super cool because we went from having two shows a month to having, you know, having shows every weekend. And like you said, I mean, we weren't selling out every weekend, but when we had between 100 and 150 kids, you know, for any punk show, mm-hmm. anything, didn't even matter what punk bands were playing. If we just said we were having a punk show, we didn't even have to list the bands and we'd have like 100, yeah. 150 yeah. people out there. And it it was cool. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, it kind of ran itself, you know. It was like, you know, all I got to do is, you know, I mean, I think the biggest problem back then was, was keeping variety and trying to keep, you know, not not have the, the same three bands over, yeah. <laughs> you know, because our scene was a little limited, you know. Yeah, it, it was, and and but 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 for the fact that you know you say like 100, 150 people would show up pretty regularly, it was still very yeah. very underground. You know? Oh yeah, like the like oh, yeah. you said, the rest of Charlotte really didn't pay attention to it or, or anything. No, well, I felt like it was a victory when I know a lot there at the time there was a lot of sniping back and forth, but but I never it never bothered me, but when. When Penny, um, you know, because at the time Tremont was just the main room, mm-hmm. and so if Nationals played there or Regionals, you know, if you, you get some big band there, oh, cool, you know, but that's like a thousand seat room, yeah, you know, and so if you have a local band, I went to some local shows there, and if there's only fifty people there, it, it looks bad, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not it a good does. atmosphere because it's this I, huge cavern, you know, I've been you on got that stage people before. in it. I've been on that stage I have too. In, front of, in front of that crowd <laughs> yes. before. <laughs> yes, I have too, and it's weird. You know? <laughs> It's weird when you're playing and there's like, yeah, there's you know, a few people at the front, you know, mm-hmm. but um, then you're like, turn the house lights down so I can't see, <laughs> can't see the rest of the room. <laughs> yeah. But but when when uh, Penny and them when they opened up the small side and yeah. they opened up the Casbah, and the Casbah is all like, you know, Christmas lights strung across the front of it and, and a really small stage and very intimate and uh, you know, to me, I was like, ah, we've made it. Yeah. You know, because when Penny and them decide they're gonna, they got to do something like what well, we've got to try to, to, to get that same vibe. I'm like, we've won. Yeah. You yeah. know, but but I mean, you know, and they even, you know, all, all of a sudden the Slugs were getting asked to play, you know, different bands that were mm-hmm. off the milestone scene were getting asked to play the Casbah and stuff. You know, and it didn't really hurt us. I mean, it was fine. You know, I mean, I, I felt like it was awesome because all of a sudden these bands that we had found were kind of. You know, kind of able to get some more life in 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 the rest in the more mainstream yeah. side of things. And, you know, and the good thing about that was it also came along around the time that the milestone was probably running the end of that course as well. So, mm-hmm. that, so some of us got to continue on over over at Tremont playing the Casbah yeah. and opening up for opening up for some good bands too. You know, we we actually yeah. played the main stage opening up for Archers of Loaf one time, and that was really that's cool. awesome. 
But uh, yeah, I, I don't know how we, well it went over with their crowd because we, you know, we were a little bit, <laughs> we were a little, we we weren't that bad, but you know, we yeah. were a little sloppier than than Archers of Loaf. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I mean, we we played we played with um, oh god, who did we play? We played with against uh, was it? Yeah, it's against me. Yeah, and it was before that. It's before they were huge. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was a long time ago, and and when we played with them, like Chris knew who they were. I didn't. I honestly did not really listen to them. But, you know, I do remember that show. I remember we're carrying our amps in because the, the opening band had played and then we were supposed to play. And Against Me's fan base were, were really adamant. It's like opening for Iron Maiden. Yeah. You know, if you open for Iron Maiden, then the whole time the crowd's just going to chant Maiden, 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 you know. So we're carrying our amps in and one of the kids that were standing around was like, hey, be sure to play a quick set so we can see Against Me. And I was like, hey, just for you, we're going to play an extra long set, you know, and just kept going. You know? <laughs> but but that was, I mean, that was something that, that I didn't realize back then that, that it was a big deal. But uh, years later, I saw against me at, a, at a, you know, opening for Green Day at, a, uh, at an arena. Mm-hmm. And it still didn't hit me. And then one day I was going through some old pictures or somebody shared a picture with me. I can't remember which one it was. And it was the flyer from the Against Me show. And I, and I had this uh, co-worker of my wife's that's really into, you know, more modern punk rock and everything. Mm. And, you know, and I was like, hey, I forgot about this. Look who we opened for. And he had a fit. Yeah. Because we opened for Against Me, mm. you know. And, 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 you know, my so-called band also got to open for, like, I think we opened for, was it DOA? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and we were supposed to get to open for Henry Rollins, but that didn't end up happening, and that was our fault. Yeah. <laughs> we I had think, scheduling I think we've conflicts. talked about that before. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that. That, that one still makes me sad, because <laughs> that would have been a hell of a show. I, like you said, I don't know if we'd have went over well with our audience, because, you know, just like you guys with Archers of Loaf, but it's like, eh, it still would have been fun to get up there and do it. <laughs> our big ones were, of course, Archers of Loaf, um, Gas yeah. Huffer, Groovy Ghoulies, yeah. and we also got to yeah, open up Groovy for, Ghoulies, uh, man. for Los Cusanos, which was... Um, yeah, uh, it was CJ yeah. Ramon's band uh, at the time. It, them and uh, uh, REO Speed Dealer. They were still yeah. REO Speed Dealer at the time and not Speed Dealer. Yeah. Um, that that yeah. was a that was a really fun show. And, and to this day, I, I I just can't believe that I didn't really like try to talk to CJ that much. Like I really yeah. should have talked to CJ, but I'm sure I said like, "Hey, man." Love the Ramones, but that's probably about yeah, it. You guys are really cool. <laughs> of course, this is back. This is also back before we ever. Everybody had a camera in their pocket, and you know, yep. I didn't get this yep. autograph. I didn't get a picture with them or anything. It's, but, I got, yeah. I got, um, I got to talk to Henry Rollins, but it was it was a useless conversation because, like you said, you know, I met him, and End of Silence was like the biggest album to me. And yeah, I could, I couldn't really make my brain work to say anything even reasonably cool, you know, <laughs> other than just, man, that record was like really awesome. And he's like, yeah, thanks dude. You know, <laughs> get away from me. <laughs> uh, Do you want an autograph? And I was like, no, I just want to talk. I actually didn't get his autograph. And I think it miffed him because he was like, you know, well, are, you want me to sign something or something? And I was like, well, no, I mean, I just wanted to talk to you. And he's just kind of like, yeah, screw off, you know? And, and so, you know, I got, I have pictures of myself with him. Because somebody, somebody managed somebody who was not me managed to snap pictures of, of me and Henry Rollins standing there. But he he looks about as annoyed in that picture as he sounded when I was talking to him because he's just like, "Get away from me, you dork!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were talking a minute ago about playing on the big stage at Tremont. I, I've actually got this listing of, of shows fun. in front of me when the, when the accidents played on that big stage, and it was a rockability yeah. benefit with Laburnum, Candy Pig. It could be nothing. I have who has the accidents and pin one five. 
the next, half that shows half that shows milestone bands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the next night was uh, Animal Bag. Let's see. There's a bunch of good names on here. Uh, the Experiment. This is the different shows. Yes. Pink, Pink Collar Jobs. Uh, Lou Ford. Liquid Sex Decay. <laughs> trying to remember all these bands. They're so. Did, have you ever gotten the guys from the experiment on the show? No, I haven't. But I, I did. I, I think I, I sent him a message one time telling him I'd like to have him on. But I, I tell people that, and then it gets forgotten about. Yeah, <laughs> so I hate yeah. that. But every now and then, I think about, oh yeah, I really need to get that person on. Oh, those uh, those dudes are all super cool. I, I recently reconnected. Well, I, I say reconnected. We didn't reconnect. We just he sent me a friend request, uh, Tony uh, from the experiment, mm-hmm. and and I'm already friends with Derek, and you know and. So I was like, because at first I was like, who's this dude? I'm like, oh, I recognize him because he didn't have the same hair that he had back then. Yeah, yeah. You know, but then I was like, oh, I recognize that guy. You know, he just looks older now, like all of us do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that that was, oh God, you pulled up that little Tremont flyer. And I'm like, oh man, I remember those. This yeah. used to be all over Charlotte. You know? <laughs> back in the day, back when everybody didn't just advertise their shows on Facebook. Yeah. You know? <laughs> back when we had to actually put flyers out. Well, let's, let's kind of move on. Um, I got yes. I got Kevin Gavigan coming up in like forty five minutes, so I got to end this at some who, time. And who then used maybe... to play drums for my so called band? Exactly. That's that's pretty <laughs> interesting. So we'll talk about that when I talk to him. Um, yeah, Kevin wanna... will probably be, Kevin will probably be like, "Why is my podcast late?" And you'll be like, "Oh, it's because of Ryan McGinnis," and he'll be like, "That figures." <laughs> so, so I want to try to wrap up in like the next twenty <laughs> minutes or so. Uh, oh but, yeah, no, that's cool. and then now give me a, a few minutes to kind of do what I need to do before I get him and i I still gotta send him a message and let him know how i'm gonna do this but you uh, know i used to i used to feel bad about how much we you know like i come on here with a purpose and then we bs for like an hour and then i i listened to um uh some other podcast and it's a famous guy and his name escapes me right now but but anyway um my point is i listened to this other podcast and they did the same thing yeah yeah i mean i mean oh it was uh oh god what's his name mark mark maron mm-hmm is that right? Yeah. I listened. I listened to his podcast, and we've talked about this. I've mentioned this on here before. His podcast with Obama. Yeah. Was the same thing where the president of the United States is on his show. They really, honestly, just BS'd. And that hour and a half podcast, they BS'd for probably like an hour and ten minutes of mm-hmm. it, and then like for twenty minutes they actually talk about what they meant to talk about. Yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> so he had a he had a series of questions, and I think he only got to like question three. Yeah, <laughs> because they were just shooting the breeze. You yeah, know? I love stuff like that. I, I wouldn't want my podcast to be like that all the time, but but I like it every yeah. now and then. Like just a, like I said, yeah. just a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, and just see where it takes you. You know. So the last time, but, uh, the last time I had you on the podcast, it was because mm-hmm. you had a book coming out. Um, I did. It was called Tears of the Dragon, and yep. I have seventeen pages left. I could have finished it this morning, <laughs> but I woke up. I woke up late, and then I realized that the time had changed. I'm like, oh yeah, it's yes. later than I thought it was. And that then I was like, up too. I need to finish reading that book, but I just decided to be lazy for a little while. I'm like, I don't need to finish <laughs> I, I, don't need it to, for you. I don't need to necessarily finish it before we talk about it because we're not going to talk spoilers <laughs> anyway. But I do want to say, like, like I alluded to earlier, I appreciate that there's not a lot of filler in it. It's one of those books that once it gets started, it never stops. And it's, yeah. you know, it's really, it's, it's it, I always say, you know, people always talk about a book that's hard to put down. It really is. And, and I kind of had to read it at short bursts because, like we've already alluded to, I'm busy as crap. <laughs> so. Right, right. You're like you're like me. You add like a you add, you read a chapter or two at a time, and then you know that's all you got time for. Well, that's what <laughs> I, every time I read, I'd be like, "Well, I'll read two or, two or three chapters tonight." But I find myself reading like six or eight chapters. You know, I, I would yeah. just, just keep reading and reading. Then I go, "Crap, I need to go to bed now." So yeah, um, it, it's it really, one in the morning. I need to go to sleep. <laughs> it's a fun book. It's really it's good. I really I've really enjoyed it. 
you've got the old school version of it. Didn't you buy it back when I first yes. back when yeah. I first released it? Yeah. So so um, in Janu- at the start of January, I actually released a different cover for it mm-hmm. because I had done the uh, I did the cover for the new book, which is the Osiris Initiative, yeah. which is the sequel to Tears of the Dragon, and I liked that cover so much that I wanted to redo. You know, the first cover was fine. I like it, mm-hmm. but you know. I'm always like, oh, I could do better. Yeah. I could do better. And I've been talking about, oh, I could do better. And my wife's like, just leave it alone. You know, <laughs> you know, how, you know. my wife's like, just leave it alone. Don't mess with it. And I did the, the Osiris Initiatives cover and thought it was super cool. And I'm like, man, I need to do Tears of the Dragons cover and make it look a little more like the Osiris Initiative so that, you know, so that it better represents it as a series. Yeah, yeah. And my wife's like, no, just leave it alone, just leave it alone. I think it's great, I think it's great. And one day while she was taking a nap, I redid the cover. <laughs> and then I let her see the redid cover, and she's like, never mind, just put that one out. Yeah. You know. And so so we've redone it, and, and uh, the paperback, oh, God, the paperback with the new cover is gorgeous. Yeah. I'll have to send you one. Since, since you've already, I'm not going to make you buy another one. You know? <laughs> I'll just send you one. But the new cover, oh, God, the new cover looks so good. But... Um, you were talking about it never stopping. My wife, the first time she read it, she got about halfway through it and was like, how much crazier can this book get? (laughs) How much more intense can this get? You know, she's like, I'm halfway through the book. And I'm like, how can this, how can the climax be worse than what's going on right now? I kept thinking the same thing. Well, my wife actually said with the climax, she had to stop. She had to put the book down and walk away for a little while because it would get her too. She, she was too, getting too worked up about it, you know. So I, I think that's cool. I, I love when people give me that reaction. You know, I, I'm one of those guys. Maybe I'm a sadist. I don't know. But but when people read like uh, some of my early short stories were horror based, mm-hmm. and and when people tell me, oh man, I was reading that, I couldn't sleep afterwards, and I'm like, yes, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's exactly what I wanted. You know, so so when people get worked up about it, you know. I'm like, awesome. My only problem was coming out of Tears of the Dragon was, you know, so when I first started writing, I'll back up a second. You know, my wife told me, hey, you know, like we've talked about it here before. Hey, you need to put your imagination to good use. You need to write some stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, behind every great man is a woman going, get off the couch and go do something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so so I started coming up with ideas. And Tears of the Dragon was one of the first few things that I came up with. It wasn't the first thing that I started to write. I started to write this other thing and never finished it. Mm-hmm. But I had a really good synopsis. I sat down and wrote like this outline for Tears of the Dragon. And I started writing it, but it was more of a hobby. You know, once I was done with it, I really originally envisioned Tears of the Dragon just being a one-off. Yeah. It was just going to be the first book I released just to break the ice. Cool, here's this book, and now I'm going to move on to other stuff. Mm-hmm. And the reaction that I was getting from early readers was so good, and everybody was so into it, you know, that I, and, and then everything that I was reading, you know, because I do research, I don't ever just go into something blind, so I'm reading all these guys' books and stuff, and it's, you know, the thing nowadays, they're like, you got to do a series, if you want to sell books, you got to start a series, you know, and you got to, you know, do do a bunch of books from that series, and I'm like, I didn't really want to do that, you know, <laughs> for, for years, I've only envisioned Tears of the Dragon as being, you know, boom, you know, and I originally had it having a more... Uh, I'm not spoiling anything for you, but a, but a less open-ended ending, mm-hmm. you know, like more of a conclusive ending. And I decided, okay, that sounds good. You know, when I get serious about writing, I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave it a little open-ended. Maybe we'll do more with it. And I got through it. And um, when the book came out, when Tears of the Dragon came out, I still did not have a synopsis for how to move forward past it. Yeah. 
because I think it had been in my brain so long just as in its current form mm -hmm. that I couldn't think about, I could not progress past the end of the story. <laughs> and, it, and so, you know, a week or two after it came out, I was like, okay, I've got to start working on something else and get with it. You know, because this was my first book. Yeah. And so you always wonder, okay, I wrote a book, cool. Can I write another? You know, I mean, or was this just a fluke? And so I finally, over a period of a few weeks, I kept just writing down all these different ideas, and I couldn't make it work because when I wrote Tears of the Dragon, it was just about Xavier Green, mm -hmm. the main character, you know. And now I kind of felt like I had introduced all these other characters and I needed to keep that going. And so, and plus, plus, let me back up. It was originally Xavier Green, and then there's that FBI agent, Bill Logan. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I knew, and you know, I kind of, it was Xavier Green's story, but Bill Logan was kind of like the sidekick, you know. What I did not expect was for everybody to really like Stacey Martinez. Yeah. In, in the story, Stacey Martinez is the other FBI agent that's kind of helping Bill Logan. And she, she has a bigger role to play late in the story. Mm -hmm. But my advanced readers, when I, when I gave it to people to read to tell me what they thought before, you know, before it actually came out, all I heard over and over was, oh, my God, I love Stacey Martinez. I love Stacey Martinez. My favorite character is Martinez. And so I knew this next book had to be more of an ensemble piece. Yeah. But I've never read that before. You know? <laughs> I'm used to writing the story. Okay, the story's about this one guy, and that's it. And what I found out was what finally clicked and worked was instead of staying up late and writing one to two chapters, I would be laying in bed with my little fire tablet and would start typing out synopsises, like story ideas, while my wife's you know, sleeping beside me. Mm -hmm. Here I am late at night just sitting here tapping on this you know, tablet, typing out you know, with two fingers, typing out ideas. And what I ended up doing was I took each character and was like, how would they process what they went through in Tears of the Dragon? Mm -hmm. You know, how would they deal with the trauma? And how would their stories move forward? And so I started writing, like, three separate storylines, one for Martinez, one for Logan, one for Xavier Green. Yeah. And then I started letting them, you know, when they would intertwine, you know, it's like there were, there were three separate stories, then there's two separate stories because two of them come together. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, you know, it ends up, they all come together and it ends up being one storyline. And that was how I finally got past it. And, and finally got to write it, you know, and, and so I ended up, from the time I wrote the synopsis, so the first book took years, as we've talked about, yeah. probably probably five, six years, you know, just because it was a hobby, and I was just kind of piddling with it. Uh, the Osiris Initiative took um, from conception until I was, well, from conception until I sent it to my editor, because I now have a, a professional editor instead of crowdsourcing the editing, mm -hmm. uh, but you got to start somewhere. But from the time, from that time, from the time it started until the time it sent to the editor, was just under or just at three months. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty good turnaround time. Yeah, yeah. you I, know, I mean, I from was, concept to not even have a concept of it. You know, <laughs> I was certainly impressed when, when I when I found out. I mean, you had already talked about it when we talked about the other book that you'd probably do a sequel. Yeah. But then when I found out yeah. that you were done with it, I'm like, dang, already. <laughs> well. It, and I'm a glutton for punishment. I sent the story off to the editor, mm -hmm. and so they were editing it. And in the in the author world, there are things called reader magnets. Reader magnets are, and you've seen it because you've got the book. When you get to the end of the book, there's this thing. Oh, go to my website and you mm -hmm. know enter your email to get a free book, right? Yeah. And and you're ideally supposed to do stuff in the same genre. And I didn't have that when I did Tears of the Dragons. I didn't have any other Xavier Green stuff, so I just used a story, a horror story that I already had. Mm -hmm. And it worked, and I pulled in a lot of people on the mailing list, but the problem was the people that were signed up for the free book were into horror short stories. Yeah. And so you try to market them spy thrillers, and they don't really care, but it was the best I could do at the time. Mm -hmm. 
you know. And so when I sent the book off to the editor, I was like, man, I need to write a new reader magnet, you know, for, for, the, end of, uh, for the end of the Osiris Initiative. And so over the span of about a week, I came up with an outline and which was nine chapters, and then I pared it down, like we talked about. It mm-hmm. started out as nine chapters. It ends up being seven chapters. Yeah. Uh, but I wrote a Xavier Green short story. Okay. And so when my editor got got the book back to me, you know, because the editor goes and points out all the mistakes and gives me a list, and then I have to go back through and actually change it. And when she gave it back to me, I was like, by the way, here's this other story. Can you do this really quick? Mm-hmm. You know, and so so... I've really put myself against the wall here because I was I was already writing the Osiris Initiative. We're already doing edits. I'm already doing the covers and stuff. And then I'm like, oh, let me do this completely separate story, you know, <laughs> and and write the you know because I'm a glutton for punishment. Let's just do it, you know. Let's let's make myself insanely busy. And so I wrote this whole short story. Came up with it. It's available for free uh, on my website. Okay. It's called The Musician's Daughter. And so anybody can go. My website's like uh, ryan-mcginnis.com. And you can go put your email in and get an absolutely free story. Mm-hmm. If you haven't read Tears of the Dragon, if you want to figure out whether you like the characters or whether it's something you'll be into, um, you know, and, and I'm proud of that story. For some, I mean, I read that I read that in like one weekend. Yeah. You know, in like two days. You know, I just wrote the story out. And it feels good to be able to do that because, I mean, I didn't know. You know, I mean, even when the first book came out, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you got it now. And I'm like, well, do I? <laughs> you know, if it takes me five years to write each book, then I'm not going to have much of a career, you yeah, know, yeah. so, so, it, so it feels good, and I'll have to send you a copy of it too, you know, because I think you're already, are you, I think you might already be on the mailing list. I, I probably am, but it, it's, it might be that I, know, I don't check my email a lot. <laughs> I know, it's fine, I mean, it probably might go to spam, we don't know, but, but I'll send you, I'll send you a copy of the book, because yeah. I like, I like it a lot, I think it's, I think it's a good book, and it, and it, um, I did, I also tried to address, so, in the books, I try, as particularly in the second book, I do a lot more uh, character development and fleshing out of characters, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody's got their own separate storyline at the start of the book. And Martinez and Logan and, and Xavier all get more, you know, all more char- character development done. But probably Xavier gets the least because he's Xavier. He's this weird, you know, assassin mm-hmm. guy, mysterious, you know, the the... I think the to me one of the attractions to him was he was like super mysterious, you know. Like yeah. a friend of mine, friend of mine's like, oh man, he's like John Wick, and I'm like, I've never watched any of those movies, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so so I need to watch them, but I know it's a favorable comparison. But but the complaint I got from a lot of people, ah, we don't know enough backstory about Xavier, and I'm like, well, that was kind of the point. But yeah, then I'm yeah. like, well, so musician's daughter, I do a little little character building for Xavier, a little bit of little peek behind the curtain of mm-hmm. what's going on in his head. So, and it was, and I have to admit, it was super fun because I'm used to writing when it comes to him in that world, that universe. I'm used to writing long form novels. So to write like a little short story that gets knocked out in like seven or eight chapters is freaking awesome. Yeah. You know, I'm like, man, I could make like, I can make like a thousand of these, you know, <laughs> just write out little things. But, um, but yeah, the new book's The Osiris Initiative. It picks up where Tears the Dragon left off. I try to do different stuff. I try to expand as a writer. You know, like mm. I said, it's an ensemble piece. I cover a lot of ground. And when I send it off to the, to the advanced copy readers, I was really worried because it's a lot of the same elements as the first book, but I feel like the first book is a lot more narrow, and then this one expands a lot, yeah. you know? And so I was worried. But it's gotten it's gotten really, really good reviews from the early readers. Yeah. I mean, one guy told me he liked it better than the first book. Okay. You know, and, and, and people are, you know, people are 
pretty wild about it. I mean, the, the quote that's going around, I don't have it in front of me right now, but it was something about it. It grabs you from the start, from the no, it grabs you from the very first shock to the last sentence, mm-hmm. or to the shocking last sentence, or something like that. And uh, in any case. If you think the first book's intense, we keep it going in the second one. Well, I was going you know? <laughs> to ask. I know, like a lot of sequels, they 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 tend to up the stakes, and I just don't really see how you could up the stakes a whole lot more from what that first book was. So I'm I'm really curious. Well, you know, and and that was that was a thing with me too. Like I sat back going, okay, so we put the entire world in danger in the first book, mm-hmm. you know. So what could we do in the second one? And the trick with the second book is I don't think I don't want to give too much away. There, I, I don't think the stakes are as high on like a worldwide level, on a global yeah, scale. Yeah. I think it's more, I think this book is about consequences of stuff from the first book. Mm-hmm. And it's about, it's about, I mean, honestly, get too philosophical here, but deep, deep down to me, I don't know if anybody else will pick up on this, but to me, that book is about how people deal with trauma. Mm-hmm when they've been in a really traumatic event and how they deal with it, which is something that we've all been, you know, dealing with these last few years with COVID and everything. And so, you know, so I think because it's the three characters and how they deal with stuff and they all deal with it differently. And in the end, they kind of, you know, they kind of come to understandings, but, you know, but I think this book is a lot of its consequences. It's, um, it has very much, it's very much, so here's the weird thing about it. It's very much tied to Tears of the Dragon, and we reference stuff in Tears of the Dragon a lot in mm-hmm. it, but one of my advanced readers had never read Tears of the Dragon, and I didn't know that. Okay. And she read it as a standalone and still thought it was fantastic. Yeah. She's like, this book is awesome. And, and I was like, well, you know, in the first book, and she's like, I've never read the first book, and I just assumed, <laughs> you know, because she came to me off my mailing list, and so I said, I guess she's one of the people that downloaded the horror short story and mm-hmm. became, you know, a person on my mailing list. And so she had never read the first book, but she loved it. And so I'm like, okay, well, apparently this book will work as a standalone, you know, because I do a lot enough explaining. It's not like I refer to stuff and don't kind of yeah. fill in the blanks about what's what's going on. You know, I mean, I'm not one to over-explain, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and even, even some people that read the first book need to be reminded of how yeah. things happen or what happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we we reference a lot of stuff from the first book without beating people over the head with it. It's, mm-hmm. it's like I've told you, I mean, I'm... I try very hard not to be, uh, I love Stephen King, I love reading his stuff, but the one thing that he does that, that bothers me, and I don't think it would work on my stuff, is that he spends so long setting up a scene mm-hmm. and setting up a location, like, like Salem's Lot is a wonderful book, but my God, he spends so much time setting up the location that I'm like, I forgot what we were supposed to be doing here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then and he goes, and Jimmy did such a... And I'm like, who's Jimmy? I forgot about Jimmy because we've been, <laughs> you know, hearing about the church for like, you know, 10,000 words, you know. But um, with my books, it's a lot... I mean, it's a lot more streamlined. It's uh, it's very fast-moving and very intense. Mm-hmm. And and it doesn't change with the, you know, this one. It's still very fast-moving and very intense, but it goes in some different directions. And, and I think I play with different kinds of tension. Mm-hmm. By having to edit the book the other weekend, it was basically like reading the book like a cliff note, because yeah. I get I get given the edits and I have to go through and you know, but I end up reading, I end up skimming the chapters as I'm doing it, and I'm yeah. like, God, God, I loved that part. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe I wrote that. You know, that's fun. You know, so you know, the first book got good reviews. It's still getting good reviews, and now the second book's coming out, and it's terrifying and crazy. <laughs> you know, I mean, may, it'll probably be out by the time this comes out, but but well, it uh, comes out. Uh, what March twenty first? 
Yeah, right, yeah. Right. The ebook. Well, the ebook comes out March twenty first. The paperback will be out before then. Okay. If if you prefer your your book in paperback form, it will be out before then. But um, and I do. Oh, and I do want to mention the first book. Go ahead and get this shout out in there. The first book is actually available in the Charlotte area at uh, Park Road Books. Okay. On Park Road Park Road Shopping Center. Tears of the Dragon is actually available anywhere, like Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. If you go ask them for it, but it's not just going to be on the shelf. Yeah. But if enough of you go ask them for it, it'll be on the shelf. So my suggestion is go ask them for it. <laughs> Help a brother out, man. Yep. Support small business. You know, but um, I was going to tell you, and I know we got to wrap this up, but the difference, I was thinking about this earlier today. We've talked about there's a lot of similarities between being an indie author and an indie musician. Yeah. But there's some differences that I'm coming to appreciate now. When you're, when you're a musician, you come out with a record, right? Mm-hmm. You come out with an album, CD, whatever you want to call it. And you go out and you play those songs. I mean, that's how my so-called band did it. We'd come out with a record, and we'd go play those songs. You know, the songs off that record just got played to death mm-hmm. until we started writing new songs, and then we'd play the hits, you know, most of the songs off that record, but start working some new stuff in. My point being is when the next record came out, okay, that first record's done. You, yeah. don't, you, know, you don't really push that anymore. You know, it, it, I mean, it's still there for people to buy, but all of a sudden it's, hey, this is the new one. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you move on to the new set of songs or whatever. With books, I've found it's not, especially when you're writing a series, it's not really like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, the general advice that I've received from people that know a lot more than me is if you have extra budget, buy an ad for the new book. But otherwise, just keep pushing the old book. Mm-hmm. You know, because you push the old book and people who have read the old book will want to read the new book. And so it kind of becomes the self-sustaining thing as you get more and more books. It's like people read and then they, you know, ideally I want people... I want people who picked up the, the free copy off the website, you know, the musician's daughter, I want them to read that and then be like, oh, I want more Xavier Green. And yeah. so they go and buy, you know, buy Tears of the Dragon and they read that and they're like, oh, I want to see how this ends up. And then they read the next one, you know, or if somebody happened to pick up, you know, the Osiris Initiative as the first book, mm-hmm. you know, and they get to the end and, oh, here's another free story. Oh, cool. Well, I'll download that. And then they're like, oh, hey, there's other stories. And, you know, you, you want to set it up like that. But it's it's really... And it feels weird to me is that you never stop pushing the first book if you're yeah. doing a series. Yeah. Like if I keep if I keep doing Tears of the Dragon books, you know, or Xavier Green books as we call them, three years from now, I'll still be pushing Tears of the Dragon. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's the main book, you know. So it's just it's it's so weird. Um, and I haven't I mean, I haven't given up on music, but I haven't been trying to put anything out. Yeah. I know you and I talk about that, and you're always like, oh, you'll come back to it. You'll come back to it. And right now, I haven't. Right now, I've been just using music as a way to unwind. Yeah. I mean, I've got some songs and stuff. I just, I've, got a, I've actually got one song fully recorded, uh, two songs partially recorded, and then some stuff that I just play sitting around, sitting mm-hmm. around the house. You know? and, and I want to put the stuff out, but I want to, maybe if I, when I get more time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right, there's nothing wrong with concentrating on being a writer right now. Yeah, well, it, tie, it ties it all together. Yeah, you know, I mean, that ties us all back together to the thing we were talking about at the very start, which is do what you got time for. Yeah, and and do what's working. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, and right now the writer things, the writer things working. I mean, it's working good. Oh, yeah. You know, so so I gotta I gotta stick with that. Not that I'm not gonna do more music, but I'm just I'm just not worried about it right now. Yeah. Not as much anyway. You know. It's not, like, it's not like any of us get rich playing music. We play music because we want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, not that I'm getting rich writing, but 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 I mean, it is doing something. Yeah. <laughs> so I am getting paid for it. But, yeah. You know, 
I, I don't know if that makes me a sellout. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. I'm making money off my own stuff. <laughs> that's the dream, right? To to do what you love and make money from it. Right. So that's not selling out at all. It's only selling out when you when you do it for the wrong reasons. Right. Yep. Well, you know, and that's the other thing about being an author too. I get. Um, I know the experts are the experts, but there's this there's this guy that I, I take a lot of advice from him. I've read all his books, but one of his things is if you really want to make a living as a writer, don't write for art. Find out what works in your genre. Mm-hmm. And then write to the reader, write to the market. And I'm like, you know, don't write what you want to write. Write, you know, write more generic. Like if people expect this to happen in a in an espionage thriller, then you give them that. And I'm like, boring. You know, (laughs) if I wanted to work on an assembly line, I'd go back to the furniture factory. You know, I mean, to me, I'm gonna keep cranking out what I'm cranking out. And and not that I don't do stuff. Not that I don't align stuff to to work within my genre it's not like i'm trying to write really far out stuff but i don't stick to the template you know i don't i don't stick to well this is what i have to do because it's a thriller i mean if i did the books wouldn't be titled what they're titled mm-hmm. you know i mean there'd be more more thriller quote unquote you know titles but it's like you know tears of the dragon was not the original name of the book but when i told it to my wife she's like yeah that sounds a lot cooler do that <laughs> <laughs> what was the original name uh it was originally going to be called the silencer okay which I, which was uh, Xavier started out as Xavier Green's nickname. We don't really use it much anymore, but that's just you know because this all these concepts are so old, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it was originally going to be called The Silencer, and I'm glad I didn't because there's actually another thriller book out called The Silencer. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, there's a book out called Tears of the Dragon too, but it's a like a romantic period piece, like mm-hmm. fantasy type thing. So it's not anything that even. You know, I'm like, yeah, cool. You know? <laughs> but to have two thriller books with the same title would be kind of a no-no. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. The Osiris Initiative, I originally wanted to call it the Eye of Osiris. But I found there's also, there's an older, famous, like, mystery thriller book that's called Eye of Osiris. Okay. And so, so I changed it to Osiris Initiative, even though I do, I do actually reference the, the actual MacGuffin which I'm not going to give away because you know Tears of the Dragon in the first book is the, is the virus mm-hmm. that they call Tears of the Dragon. Uh, this one there's a MacGuffin, but I and I actually call it the Eye of Osiris, but yeah. I just didn't call the book the Eye of Osiris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I'm still going to put it in there. Screw that, you know. <laughs> and then as my brother, as my brother um, mentioned to me, we were talking about Tears of the Dragon, and he's like, hey, I saw Bruce Dickinson already wrote the theme song to your to your new novel. <laughs> And, you know, because Bruce Dickinson did a solo record called Tears of the Dragon, and oh, I was yeah, like, yeah. well, yeah, but nobody remembers that. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna mess him up more. I'll do a book called Two Minutes to Midnight, you know, yeah. just to, <laughs> we'll just keep the Iron Maiden references. As long as you don't call it Tattooed Millionaire. <laughs> right, right. But, yeah, but that's what I got going on. I was hoping when I did the Osiris Initiative, I was going to be up in North Carolina and, and be able to come see you and us do this, like, in person, but, uh, you know, not yet. Maybe next time. I was say, maybe on the next one. <laughs> yeah, so, maybe on the next one. I mean, I am going to try to plan some trips up to North Carolina, or a trip up to North Carolina, but if I come, it's probably, well, one, there's going to have to not be another surge, and two, um, it's just going to be probably like a short three-day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll work out time to see you. Yeah. You know, because because I will. That's why I come in town, and I just try to see as many people as I can see, you know, squeeze yeah. squeeze everybody in. And, and see family, you know, because the main thing's the family, oh, yeah. but, you know, but I'll try to come in town for like, I mean, three, maybe four days tops, yeah. you know, and just try to squeeze in and see everybody, because I have not actually been in the Charlotte area. I've been in North Carolina, but I haven't been in the Charlotte area in, 
if I if I make it back, it'll be four years on Labor Day mm-hmm. since I've actually been in Charlotte and or Gastonia, whatever that area. Yeah, yeah. In there. The last time I was in North Carolina was three years ago, and that was uh, Oak Island. Yeah, that was at the coast. So I flew into Wilmington. So soon, hopefully. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm actually things have gotten you know low enough as far as case numbers that I'm actually looking at plane tickets. So I'll, I'll figure something out. Yeah. Now I just got to find time to do it. You know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a big thing. Got to come between between book releases. That's when I that's when I have time. Yeah. <laughs> so before we wrap up, um, have you started writing the next book yet? So I took the time to write the short story, mm-hmm. and I have written sort of. I'll say sort of because what I've done. I don't know how it's going to come out yet. The plans are still gelling in my head. Mm-hmm. I have written the outline, and I'm going to start writing it next week, because last time I was like, when I finished writing the Osiris Initiative and sent it off to the editor, I was like, okay, I'm going to take like a two-week break from writing, mm-hmm. and that turned into like a month or yeah. so away from writing, and so I don't need to do that. I mean, I'm going to give myself a few days to rest because I'm pretty exhausted, but I have written the outline for actually a Stacey Martinez short story. Okay. I mean, and I say short story, but it's going to be a novella. Mm-hmm. Novellas are not quite as long as a novel. Mm-hmm. You know, and it may end up being a novel. I don't know. I'm just, I'm going to start writing it. I've got the outlines for the, each chapter because that's how I do it is I lay out, you know, what happens in each chapter and, you know, make little paragraphs. And so I've got a Stacey Martinez story that extends her story out from the end of the Osiris Initiative. And my wife was like, because I can't give it away, the end of the Osiris Initiative has just, I don't know, blew a lot of people's minds, mm-hmm. just the way it ends. And my wife was like, the Martinez story, she's like, does that does that kind of reveal more about what happened at the end of the of, uh, Osiris Initiative? And I was like, no. It actually takes place between the next to the last chapter and the last chapter. Okay. You know, and she's like, what? And so, you know, so I've got that uh, wrote out, and I'm, I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to start writing out the, the synopsis for uh, whatever the next book's going to be called. I don't have titles for any, mm-hmm. of, any of the next ones yet, but I didn't have the title for the Osiris Initiative until, you know, halfway through writing it. Um, I do have ideas of how the book's going to start. It's just where we go from there. Yeah. You know, I, it's like I've got a general idea. And, and usually what it is is I'll have general ideas like I did with Osiris. I had a bunch of general ideas and I kept batting them around. And, and then I start paring away at it because I'm like, yeah, that's too outlandish or that's too G.I. Joe. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's too much like something you'd see on G.I. Joe. Got to get rid of that, you know. And, and so that's the process has started. Yeah. And it started a lot earlier for this one than it did for Osiris because I, I learned my lesson. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, all right, I gotta gotta keep this moving. Um, you know, and somebody's like, oh, is there gonna be? You know, after the second one, you know, somebody hasn't read it yet. Was like, oh, is there gonna be a third one? I'm like, well, there's gonna be a third one, probably a fourth one. Yeah. Because I, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna wrap everything up. I mean, I intend to just continue to do Xavier Green stories. Yeah. Uh, periodically. I mean, it, it probably, I've got a story that's mostly written that is a crime thriller. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm about halfway through it, and it's kind of been sitting on the back burner. And I keep saying, oh, I'm going to come out, I'm going to go ahead and come out with it. But then I'm like, no, I need to do more Xavier Green stuff, because once again, you have to do what people are reading. Yeah. You know, and so so the crime thriller will get thrown in there. And there's other stuff. There's, there's like three or four other uh, plots that I've got developed all the way out to where I could write a novel mm-hmm. from them that aren't Savior Green related, but it's like they just kind of get shoehorned in there wherever I can fit them in, yeah. you know, because you, you keep the main thing going. But I feel like once I get 
you know, three or four Xavier Green stories out there, plus plus the smaller stories like the Stacey Martinez and the short J, uh, Xavier Green story. And, you know, there's another short story I want to do with it. And, you know, and I want to do a Bill Logan book. Because mm-hmm. I think Bill Logan, do you know who Longmire is? Um, not real sure. Longmire is a crime uh, mystery series of books that they made a TV show out of. It was on A&E for a while. Okay. And it ran for a few seasons. They canceled it, and then they brought it back on Netflix. Okay. And I love that show. And so Logan, to me, is like my version of Longmire a little bit. You know? right. um, so it's like I want to write some some Bill Logan books, but you know we'll get there sooner or later. Yeah. You know? and, and maybe I'll get to some of my non-Xavier Green stuff sooner or later. You know? <laughs> if, I, if I want it bad enough, I, I'll just start writing like crazy and just write. You know, My wife will be like, I haven't seen him in three months. He just keeps <laughs> writing stuff. It's like, because I want to get this other stuff out, and the only way to get it out is just to give it all my time. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but I, we'll get there, yeah. you know. So so the process has started, but, you know, it's a process. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. I'm feeling a lot better about stuff now, though, because it's like when I started Tears of the Dragon, it was Tears of the Dragon, and then, like I told you, I didn't have a reader magnet, yeah. didn't have anything else going on. Now I've got the Xavier Green short story. I've got Tears of the Dragon. I've got the Osiris Initiative, and by dropping the short story and Osiris Initiative at the same time, I kind of I'm like, yay! Suddenly, I've got three books out, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> instead of instead of two, I, you know, I've got three books out. So, you know, it's 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 getting there. It's it's an interesting journey, and and it's definitely different than playing music, but but I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So, and I and I hope everybody that's reading it enjoys it too. So. Oh yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to reading those last 17 pages. I'm going to do that. No, I can't. I can't. I don't. I didn't want to spoil anything for you. I was trying to be careful. <laughs> yeah. so I'll do that later tonight, and then I'm also looking forward to the the short story and, and the the Osiris initiative. Yes. And uh, now just, you have, yeah, you have. I think you ordered a an autographed. I did. Uh, yeah. You ordered one of those off the website. So those and those will be. Um, actually, I can order them now. Mm-hmm. Like now that I've got everything uploaded and everything, I I just forgot to do it, but I'll do it either today or tomorrow. And so those will probably take about three weeks to come to me, and then everybody that's ordered one. You know, yeah, then I'll yeah. get them out in the mail to everybody. Yeah. So it's a pro- it's Amazon's a weird process because I don't get to see the. I, I could order like a, um, a test copy, mm-hmm. but it would have like test copy across the cover and all this stuff, you know, just to make sure everything looks all right. Uh, I haven't done that yet because I run on such a tight schedule, mm-hmm. a tight production schedule that it's usually just you know okay, got to get this out, you know, and I don't have time to do it, but. Um, but you don't get to actually download a copy of, of your book until it's live. Mm-hmm. And that's very frustrating to me. Because <laughs> if you get the test copy, it's still, it's a test copy. Like, the cover is, like, not, you know, they're like, well, the graphics on the cover won't be as, you know, high resolution as, you know, mm-hmm. a regular copy. Because they really just send you a crap copy. Yeah, just, yeah. It's just supposed to be for you to look at formatting. But I'm like, it's not fair. Because I want an actual <laughs> copy of the book before I put it on sale so that I know if it, you know, I know, know if with, we need to fix anything. With Tears of the Dragon, I remember getting it and you saying, I don't even have my copy yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. a bun- Well, I mean, a, a bunch of you guys ordered it. <laughs> I had people, you know, because ta- if I order it as an author, it takes me three weeks to get it. Yeah. If you guys order it, it takes like, you know, if you order it off Amazon, it'll be at your house like a day or two from now. And I'm like, it's very frustrating to me because I'm like, Hey man, you know everybody else. Like last time, there's probably like eight people sent me pictures of the book, and I'm like, I don't have it yet. So it was really funny. Yeah, it's just weird how all that works. You know, 
Sorry, I was, I was messed. I had to message Kevin real quick. He sent me a message. I'm like, I'm running a little late. Just give me a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me get out of the way for Kevin because Kevin will be like, you know, now I'll have to listen to Kevin's podcast because Kevin will be like, damn it, Ryan, stop hogging all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go, just remind people where they can get the book. You can get it uh, ryan-mcginnis.com yes. is, is a good place yep. for information. I guess to start. Yeah, well, well, and you can get the books there too. Mm. We've got links: uh, Tears of the Dragon, um, The Osiris Initiative. I have a free short story. It's a horror story called A Good Night's Sleep. Um, and I also have the Xavier Green short story, The Musician's Daughter, which yeah. is also free. Yeah. So Good Night's Sleep and, and The Musician's Daughter are free. There are links on my website to Tears of the Dragon and the Osiris Initiative, so you can just click through to Amazon from there and, and purchase it. And, uh, you know, otherwise you can you can get the paperback in Charlotte at, at uh, Park Road Books. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also get it at several spots down here in Texas, uh, Port Isabel, uh, the Unruly Cactus, uh, Karma Books on South Padre Island, and uh, Book Club Magic in McAllen, Texas. Okay. And and there's another store, but their name's in French, and I cannot remember how to pronounce <laughs> it. So, but it's a, it's Book Club Magic's sister store. I think it's Jamie La Libra uh, okay. is the store. But you can get it all there. Uh, you know, but that's where you can get the books. So you know, go and give good. it a read. Or whatever. I don't know how to pitch that, but come come read the book. I, I, rec- I would definitely recommend it. At the, uh, Tears of the Dragon is good. I, I haven't read the last 17 pages, but I don't think that's going to change that for me. I think it's just going to make me like it even more. So. <laughs> yeah, last 17 pages, you're like, no, that book sucks. It's horrible. <laughs> well, know? I mean, I have watched movies before where the last 10 minutes of it were like, man, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. Well, I've been teasing. After, after some of the reactions I got from the advanced readers, uh, uh, one of the things I've been saying on Twitter to people is, you know, I, I think I said on Facebook too with the Cyrus Initiative is get plenty of sleep now because you won't sleep after you read it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it messed my wife. The ending messed my wife up for like two days. Oh wow. She kept coming back to me going, I I just I just can't. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, you just have to wait till I write the next one. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't tell her about it as I'm writing. I don't tell her about it. So it's like I keep her in suspense. It's not like she gets like inside dirt, you know, because yeah, yeah. she's here. You know, I totally keep it to myself until I'm, I'm like, here, read this. Yeah. You know, so. it's probably better that way. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely for sure, for sure. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Good oh, yeah. luck with your pop ups and stuff, and 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 good luck with your dream of opening a store. Right. I want to see that happen. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you for doing this again. And uh, I'll, I'll get.
a Gabba Gabba Hunt Media Production. Hello? Hey. Can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me? Wait. Yeah, hang on, hang on. <laughs> and can you see me? Well, now, hang on. <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out. Why is it? Are you coming? Say something. Um, something. I don't know why you're coming through over my phone speaker. Hang on. Hmm. That's not on your end. Yeah, no. I'm I'm still trying to figure out something over here though too. Turn my volume up here. I don't want to turn it. Ah, there it is. Okay, I've got you coming through my headphones. Okay, and I can't see you now, but I saw you for a brief second oh. a minute ago. Wait, wait, hang on. <laughs> Yeah, that well, that was me. Here, wait, I'm, you're you're all sideways. I can fix that. Hang on. Aha! Uh-huh. Now we're both sideways. Now we both got the widescreen format going on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There we are. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Sorry, that was me. I was hitting buttons trying to figure out why my headphones weren't working. Yeah.